Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is Anupa Mystery. You're listening to Burnout. There are some things I haven't told you. When I started this podcast two years ago now, it was meant to be an experiment. I wanted to know if I still cared about art, if work could still be fun and meaningful, whether it went viral or not. I really wanted to find a point of continuity between the first 10 years of my career as a writer and a journalist and a producer and what was to come. Recording those first shaky episodes, I trembled and second-guessed myself all the way. Which is wild to think about when you consider that I was really just making a podcast with friends for my friends. But I didn't trust myself. I believed that starting over meant I had to prove myself all over again. I was flippant about the podcast being this little DIY, whatever thing that I made all by myself. And I made the work small because that's how I felt on the inside. Over the last few months, I've been following news about the protests the analysis of the protests, and the institutional reckonings that the protests have triggered. It seemed like everyone had a plan. I put posters up around my neighborhood, which is the whitest neighborhood I've ever lived in. I donated to mutual aid funds and amplified calls to action from Toronto organizers. I also read essays by journalists about the racism that thrives in media organizations. They wrote about how supremacist logic resulted in what are essentially labor violations, gross labor violations and cause professional disenfranchisement and emotional distress. The collective point, I think, was that the media is culpable in a worldview that's deeply out of step with the historical realities of racial capitalism. Or, to paraphrase my friend Pasant Matar, who wrote in The Walrus, media organizations themselves have failed their own tests of accuracy. These essays made me angry in a whole bunch of ways. They resurfaced so much of the shame, bullying, deceit, and rejection that I've experienced throughout my career. I was reminded of how I became cruel as a result of these humiliations. I felt deficient for not working harder to game the system, to get to a point where I had enough institutional legitimacy to be supported in my own call-outs. And I was angry because the pleasure I had felt in extricating myself from all of this mess felt small and insignificant and less of an achievement in the face of so much destruction. The writer and activist Sarah Shulman says that the essence of supremacy ideology is, quote, the self-deceived pretense that one's power is acquired by being deserved and has no machinery of enforcement. So I began to try and heal this self-deception. I started this podcast and a newsletter. I began to read again. I went to therapy, I spent less time on my phone, and I thought about the life I grew up wanting and whether those hopes still felt accurate. I am deeply Sagittarian and therefore restless, sparky, and obtusely optimistic. I probably irritated everyone around me by talking about how fruitful and relaxing the self-imposed convalescent period felt. But I started this essay acknowledging that there are things I haven't said. I'm no longer sure that it's possible to work within these institutions and not be coerced into generating propaganda for the increasingly fascist values that order the world as it is. It is not possible to do good work if your bosses are immune to history and how it has shaped our social and economic realities. I will not make my politics line up with model minority expectations. 
I do not want to work with exploitative partners for career visibility. I see through the casteist math that makes some narratives of blackness or brownness or queerness more amenable to power. Burnout is not a podcast about overcoming struggle. It is primarily an archive of experience of artists, many of whom are racialized, queer, and or women identified, working within the nation state slash corporation that we call Canada. It is an invitation to disrupt colonial habits of understanding through relational connection, contemplation, and a lot of uncertainty. It pushes back on marketplace ideas that connect desirability and worthiness and visibility to artistic merit. Burnout disavows the idea that struggle can only be certain about what it is we are against rather than what it is we are for. It rejects the idea that the only power worth having is their power. Burnout is a dream state. And the artist or maker remains a salient object of study, I think, as long as people are working to make the mundane beautiful. The indigenous botanist Robin Wall Kimmerer says mundanity is sacred. Water turns to wine, coffee to a prayer. This prologue was meant to introduce you to the forthcoming episodes of Burnout, which I'm really excited about and which are loosely rooted in resilience and resistance. They're more pointed versions of the conversations we've been having on burnout since the beginning and a more spacious version of the work I've been doing since I started my career. As it turns out, the only plan is to keep on.